You want to know what the best thing about podcasting is, Chuck? What? Listen to Tupac on your way to the studio, which is not really a studio, but. This dude came into the freaking studio bumping Tupac on his phone. My ambitions as a writer. How do you guys like the new microphones, guys? We got new microphones. We got, uh, what, what are they called? Rode? Pod mics? Pod mics. This episode is brought to you by Kim and Chuck, not pod mics. One day. One day. Without further ado, guys, we present to you episode 91 with Josh Line. And if you guys don't know who Josh Line is, he is a headshot photographer. Actually, let me read his bio. Josh Line is a headshot and portrait photographer based in Las Vegas. Ex-military, Josh focuses on business portraits and commercial headshots that connect with his client's audience. Josh recently joined Peter Hurley's headshot crew and has officially become an associate photographer in 2019. I think we're going to learn a lot of stuff from this guy, man. Yeah. I need to learn how to direct models. I like I like his work, and I, not only do I like his lighting, but I like the expressions that they yeah. have in their face. And that's like one of the hardest things to get out of people who don't know how to take photos. One hundred percent, man. So let's get started. Let's go ahead and go ahead and cue the intro. Without further ado, episode ninety-two of the Morning Dinner Podcast. But don't forget to smash that like button, and then also subscribe, and then comment, and yeah. last thing, review. Leave that review on, on iTunes. iTunes. Can't do it on Spotify, but you can open up the Apple Podcast app and drop a review, guys. Thank you for tuning in. And without further ado, for real, for real this time, episode 92. 91. 91. <laughs> Every time I come in the kitchen, you in the kitchen. In the goddamn refrigerator. I sure am hungry. Ugh. <clears throat> You got to be careful with that coronavirus, man. Jesus. You never know when it's going to hit you. But episode 91 with Josh Line Photography. What's up, Josh? How's your day going so far? Good, good. Glad to be here. Thanks thank you. For thank me. you for joining us on the Morning Dinner Podcast, man. We haven't uh, done an episode in a couple of weeks now. We just got some new microphones, and I hope it sounds crispy. Oh, it sounds very crispy. So let, <laughs> let's get into it real quick, Josh. I've been following your work for a while now. You do some really killer headshots. Why why headshots, first of all? Well, before we get there, how did you get into photography? Because I think you uh, you mentioned you were ex-military, right? Yeah, yeah. So originally, I mean, I just started out like a lot of people do. I like got a camera and was playing around. Um, you know, once I became a parent, that was like when I really, you know, started taking pictures, especially of my kids. I'm like, hey, I just want to have nice pictures of my kids. And then it became an expensive hobby. You know, you start buying gear, you get into it. And then uh, when I was in the military, I got to do a lot of travel. So when I went to Baghdad in 2010, I was like, I'm probably never going to go back here in my life. So let me like learn how to take some pictures. And then my camera broke like a week into it. Damn. I had like a Fuji super zoom and I dropped it and then the zoom lens wouldn't come out anymore. Like it wouldn't turn on. So I was like back to my point and shoot for the rest Damn. of the trip. So it really like made me mad that I didn't get like what I wanted to do, but I really wasn't ready at that time anyway. So when I got back from that, I bought my first DSLR started getting into it and then um you know i just kind of played around like taking family pictures doing birthday parties and you know like anything that i could get my hands on that i could just be in front of and take pictures and if somebody paid me cool if not i'm still gonna do it nice but then you know as a lot of things happen like you kind of get burned out and like you find out hey i really don't like doing this kind of work and then uh in like 2015 2016 that's when i was like I'm tired of going to the park with families at like 5 p.m. and like wrangling the kids and like trying to do all these different things. And it just didn't really suit me, you know? So you mean like like photography as a business, trying to do family yeah. family portrait sessions and things like that? Yeah, and I was, I was just kind of like looking around to like what everybody else was doing, you know? Like looking at 
other people in the area and like Googling stuff and just trying to figure out like what you, like you, my own style You were was. trying to find what your niche was going to be, yeah. right? Yeah. And then a- after I, I figured that out, I was like, I really don't like that. But then when I found out about doing headshots, that's when I was like, this is a lot of fun and I actually like it. Mm-hmm. And that's when I was just like, all right, let me double down on this and just figure this out, dedicate everything I can to to doing this the best I can. And uh, then it just started taking off and everything kind of responded, you know, because of that. So um, I wouldn't say that like I'm, you know, greatly successful, but I found like what I enjoy doing and that, you know, people are willing to pay me to do it. So I think that's a win. I mean, what makes you love uh, headshots or uh, doing headshots so much? Mostly it's like the one-on-one with people. Like, mm-hmm. uh, just, I get to learn who this person is in front of me. Like I get to talk to him, learn about him, and I can kind of control the the tempo and, and how the session goes a little bit more versus like when you have a large group of people, like you're like herding cats trying to get a group shot. Um, you don't have like a lot of control over how things go. Mm. So a little bit about me is that like, I'm kind of a control freak when it comes to, you know, like details on certain things. And with headshot photography, I have like a good outlet where I can do that, where it's like, hey, there's, you know, one strand of hairs out of the way. There's this little bit of lint. Like I can dial in all those little details for people and it's actually helpful. So Damn. I, <laughs> I never even thought of it like that. Yeah. But so how, how, how long between when you decided when it was like photography was just a hobby? How, how much time passed between when it was just a hobby to when you decided like, oh, I want to make this like my full time job career? Oh, man, it was probably like three or four years at least of just like kind of, you know, shooting whatever. and So you were kind of like on the fence about it or you were still? Yeah. I mean, I knew I wanted to do it. I just didn't know how serious I wanted to do it. Mm. You know, like I was like, Hey, I like doing this, but you know, then once I kind of discovered the headshot stuff, I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm in like, this is it. This is what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. So do do you have any other like passions outside of just headshot photography that you like, for example, like I know like for my, for my family, I love taking photos of my nieces and nephews. Um, but I also lo- I also love to do like creative gelled style shoots like that's like my thing uh, outside of just headshots and or, or portraits and things like that. Do you have any like specific ty- types of shoots that you like to do outside of just headshots? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, everything with my family, like my kids, like every time we get like family get togethers and I get a chance to, you know, get everybody in front of the camera, uh, even if they don't want to, I still make them. But, <laughs> yeah. you know, I, I like doing that just to like document our family. Um, and then, yeah, I like creative gels, like a lot of color, like, you know, crazy wild stuff. I've been playing more with gels and color lately. Um, and I'm still kind of developing like my workflow and like what I want to do with it. Um, but then also like, uh, like photojournalism, like, Mm. so before I got out of the military, I actually had an opportunity to be a photojournalist, um, at Nellis. And when I was there, they were like, Hey, well, let me back up. So in 2013, I went to Kandahar, Afghanistan as an engineer when I was in the military. And when I came back, they were like, hey, there's a public affairs position it's open for a photojournalist spot. Like, you should apply for it. Like, you'd be perfect. So I did, and they put me in the position. And then they said, well, you have to go to school, which is Dinfos in Maryland. And it's an eight-month school. And they teach you how to be a photojournalist. They teach you videography, like broadcast school, like everything. And I'm um, like, man, that's a really good opportunity for me to go and do this because, like, I would love it. And, well, at the time, my my wife was was pregnant. So when I got back and everything, by the time I got in that position and they were scheduling my class date, it was going to be after my daughter was born. 
So I had to make the decision then was like, do I want to pursue this, you know, once in a lifetime chance to go to the school or do I, you know, like opt out and just say, you know, screw it. I'm not going, I'll, I'm going to be home when my daughter's born. So that was like the first time I had a chance in my military career to like take control of like my personal life. And I said, no, I'm not going. And I just, I got out of the military right there. So I passed on to school and, you know, which was a good decision, obviously for my family. Mm -hmm. But then, um, after that, I was like, I can just do this thing on my own. Like I can, I can, you know, do photography, photojournalism, whatever I want on my own. Like I, I don't need that school. It would be great to have it, but I don't need it. That is a great decision that's, that you have made. Dope. Yeah. Cause you definitely can. You, I mean, you have a lot of online resources to learn photography. Um, were there anyone, were there any online resources in particular that you used? Yeah. I mean, I looked at like creative live and, you know, I follow like a lot of other like photojournalists, but like, it seems like no matter how much you look online, there's always like that one bit of information that you feel like you're missing, you know? Like it's the hands-on. Yeah, that's exactly it. And it's the hands-on, just going through. The best way to learn. Yeah, and you're just doing it. But, you know, it also helps when you have a mentor, you know, for somebody that can, um, you know, answer some of these questions and just kind of like give you some reassurance, you know, like, hey, you're you're going in the right direction or maybe you don't want to go in that direction. So, so were, were you able to find a mentor here in Vegas? Um, Not, not per se like a mentor but i did reach out to like a lot of people and just like i just asked a lot of questions because i had like you know what do i do with lighting how do i like direct people like what do i do mm -hmm. you know in these different situations and like you know looking back on it like man i was super eager and i just annoyed the hell out of people like it's good though <laughs> i'm sorry i'm sorry for anybody that i annoyed back then i was just trying to learn forgive me hey man it worked um, out um yeah. i i would i would say um uh because even with with photography like if I don't do it for a certain amount of time, it doesn't matter how good I was when I when I was doing it. If I stop doing it for like two, three months or something, like it's almost like I have to retrain myself how to how to do it. And it's one of those muscles, like you kind of said, like there's something about just watching photography tutorials and learning it online and then actually doing it. Yeah. That's such a big thing because like you can watch it all day. You can watch you can watch it all day. Like if you are not practicing it, like it's it's wasted information, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I mean, I think that's the same with a lot of things is like, you have to have the, the hands on the, the OJT on the job training kind of mm -hmm. stuff where it's like, you can learn a lot of the book stuff, but sometimes the book stuff just doesn't apply and you're going to be focused only on that. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, people are always talking about like the rule of thirds and, you know, all these different photography rules that you need to follow. But it's like, sometimes you have to know when to get rid of those rules and just create something good mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so now if i go on your website i can clearly see that you're a headshot photographer um and 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 that one of the questions that i had was a lot of things that photographers do is is they brand themselves as kind of like this jack of all trades like i do weddings i do portraits i do event photography event photography like pretty much everything and they put it on the website i think i i do that with my website what is the advantage over having like, oh, I'm the headshot photographer. Come get your headshots here. This is what the business is versus like, oh, I can kind of do everything. What is the advantage? So two things really. I mean, like you can you can be a generalist and you can be a jack of all trades. You can still do that. Mm -hmm. But how you market yourself and what you want to get known for is a totally different thing. So like I still shoot events. I, I do a lot of event work throughout the year, but I don't advertise for it. I don't market mm. for it. Like people don't hire me for that. So, but if a client comes to me and says, Hey, you did a really good job of my headshots. Would you come shoot our corporate Christmas party or something? Then the ball's in my court and I could say yes or no if I want to versus oh, wow. the other way where people usually have like everything on their website 
And then when they do that, they get all kinds of inquiries that they don't want to do. Or maybe I've gotten some pretty weird ones. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So they just think you're a guy with the camera that can do everything. Mm -hmm. That's true. So in order to like not field those questions and not have that kind of, you know, traffic, then you just don't put that stuff out there. The other part is your website. So if you focus on your SEO or do any kind of website, like your each page can only rank for one thing. So your homepage can rank for one term, your, you know, contact page, your gallery, all those things can only rank for one thing. So mm-hmm. pick one thing and, and try to, you know, work on your SEO for that. So Dang, I never thought about that, actually. That's so true. You, you had mentioned to me before we started the podcast uh, that branding, you said branding was not a branding was not a good thing or a good term. No, no. And I think, I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to steal a little bit from my friend, Mike Schacht in Chicago. He, he really put this in my brain and it makes sense. And, uh, it's that, you know, the, the term branding is like a photography term. Like other photographers use that to sell information on how to sell photography stuff. So mm. if you are a photographer who has an education platform, you're going to tell photographers, learn how, you know, branding, learn headshots, learn this stuff. But like the normal everyday client who goes on Google, they're not searching for branding photographer. They're searching for a headshot photographer. Oh, the, so the term itself of, mm. of, okay. So that, that term branding is in the photography community. That's not what clients are searching for. Right. So, right. You, so like if a client, like if somebody, a sushi sh- a shop or whatever wants to hire you as a photographer to photograph their menu, they don't look for branding photographer. They look for, uh, I mean, what, what, what is it? What would they look for? Cause I would imagine they would be looking uh, for branding. No, I thought like product or food photography. Yeah, product, oh, okay. food, food photography. So, okay, you're saying, oh, yeah, because I was thinking of something else. I was thinking of like more of your brand. You know what I mean? Because would your brand be headshots or mm-hmm. no? Yes? Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, that's where I got confused a little bit. But yeah, I can definitely see that in the like branding photography. Yeah. Even- so, so you're kind of speaking more to like using uh, branding photographer as a as a brand itself, right? Like marketing that to clients. Like I will help brand you, right? Yeah, we'll we'll help get some some content and you know uh, you know looks for your brand, but the normal everyday client is not going to Google for a branding photographer or somebody who specializes in you know branding. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. I never even thought of that. Yeah, but I wouldn't. Real. I wouldn't know why a photographer would want would what would want to help brand a company like. That's such a personal thing. That kind of goes in with like, the designer. They should know, like they <laughs> yeah, should brand. know what they want to do. Like, I'm, I'm the photographer. I'm here. I'll here. I'm here to capture what your brand is, but well, I can't tell you just, what it is. Just take a look at, like, you know, after this, like, how many people use that term, personal branding, like mm-hmm. personal brand. Mm-hmm. How many people use that? We hear it. We we've heard it from our guests. Like every time somebody comes in <laughs> yeah. here, oh my god, I love your guys' brand. Like, yeah. Like, and what does that mean? <laughs> it's it's a thing, but like. The normal everyday client is not lurk- looking for somebody that has that specializes in like personal branding. They, right. they need somebody that helps them with marketing and photography as a part of that. Mm-hmm. So, I want to talk about because um, I, I I think I don't know if it's on your website, but I, I found out some. I think it's on your Instagram page. You mentioned that you're an associate photographer for the Headshot Crew. Mm-hmm. First of all, can you can you kind of speak to what the Headshot Crew is or how you came up to find out about that? Yeah, so the Headshot Crew is you know run by Peter Hurley. He formed it. Uh, I don't even know how many years ago, but it's basically a collection of photographers that specialize in headshots, and it's his education and mentoring program. 
So, you know, once you, once you get in there, you can learn, you know, his style and his way of doing things. And then you, you know, apply your own uh, recipe to what you're doing. Mm -hmm. So basically like the, the tenets of a good headshot, you start having like standards in the work. Um, and when you have that, then you can, everybody can learn like where you are. So if you're learning about lighting, direction, uh, posing, and then the business part of it, you know, marketing, uh, all those different things. So it's, it's a big collection of photographers run by him. They do uh, weekly contests. They do, you know, monthly contests. And it's just to, to have a, a, a big community where it's a referral network as well. Mm -hmm. So uh, you can go on there. You can do the find a photographer uh, part of it. You can put in any part of the world where you're looking for a photographer and it'll give you somebody that's close to there. Oh, uh, nice. So you can see their portfolio. You can see their work. Um, if somebody contacts you, then you can book jobs through it. And then everybody is always kind of like looking out for each other in, in that community. So if somebody comes to me, a client says, Hey, I've got an office in Dallas, Texas. I need a photographer and we need to match the, the look that we just did today. And say, like, okay, great. Well, I know a couple people in that area. I'll reach out to them or they can go on there and search themselves. Mm. So it's an education platform and a referral network. So nice. So would you recommend it as a resource for somebody who's just starting out in headshot photography or more, more somebody who's been doing it, who wants to kind of, it's, it's level all levels. All oh, it's levels. all levels. Okay. Yeah. If you just picked up a camera today and started photography in general, mm -hmm. you could get up to speed pretty quickly. Sweet. I'm going to oh, wow. join. That's crazy. Yeah. It's, it's, it's for everybody. So I've been, I'm super like, I'm super like picky about like headshots. Like I, I don't feel like I've taken many good headshots, man. Cause there's so much to a headshot and I don't know, maybe it, this could just be me be, be very picky about it. Um, and very critical of my work, but I feel like it's so hard to take a good headshot, man. And you know, there's, there's a lot of it. Cause like you're, you're so focused on that one small piece of real estate that every little thing that's wrong or that you think is wrong is like magnified. Oh yeah. So yeah, there, there's a lot of details in it, but I'll tell you, man, it's, it's been, it's been fun for me, you know, digging into those details that, um, it's just, it's just good attention to detail across the board. And, you know, when you're providing that to people, they respond well. It's like, you know, just like anything else, you know, if, if you hire somebody to do a job and they're just, you know, real lax about it, yeah. or if they're, you know, taking it seriously and looking after your best interest and in everything, it, it gives you a, a good feeling that, you know, you hired the right person. Mm -hmm. What do you feel is the most like challenging part about taking a good headshot? Man, probably... A lot of people focus on lighting, especially photographers. Oh, you know? yeah, that's the one thing we always look at. Like. <laughs> Everybody talks about lighting, but really it's, it's more about the direction. You know, when you're, when you're directing somebody, um, you've got all these other things going on, but you've got to like be able to focus in on that. The human being that's on the other side of your camera, you have to be in tune with where they are. So you got to have to like develop that, that spider sense of guesstimating where they are. So if they get, if they get there and you're talking to them and they had a rough day and they just got, you know, almost got into an accident on the way there. Their, their kids are stressing them out. Their phone's blowing up. Like their, their mind is not in the game. Yeah. So you got to kind of like focus on that, bring them down to where you need them or, you know, wherever that, that may be. Say, all right, let's calm down, focus on this. Don't worry about that other stuff. Don't worry about the camera and, and help them. And that's really the biggest thing that I see people struggle with is cause like you can get the lighting dialed in. You can get, you know, the clothes, you can get the background, you can get all that stuff done. You can Photoshop it great, but you can't Photoshop an expression. Yeah. You mm -hmm. can't, you know, change the way their face looks and make it look, you know, good consistently. 
you might get lucky a couple times and, you know, get a frame in there once or twice, but like, how can you create that over and over again when you need to? How long did that take you to get that down? Like directing? Let's see. I probably dedicated like a year to just focusing on nothing but headshots. Like I didn't do any other paid work. I didn't do any other kind of photography for almost a whole year. Solid. Damn. That's how you know you're good at it. <laughs> I mean, some people catch it. Like some people come into it, like they've already had like a successful portrait business or something else. Mm-hmm. And they just like, you know, take off and run with it. Um, I've seen other people like they're, they're, you know, a couple of years into it and they're still, you know, figuring out some of the finer details and you know, it doesn't, it doesn't matter like how fast you get it. It just matters. Like you're, you're learning and like you're, you're making traction on it. So everybody's going to be learning at different levels and everyone's going to have different things going on in their life. So. How do you, how does everybody have a good side? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was literally about to ask that too. Like, and how do you, how do you find somebody's good side or like, is it somebody maybe that maybe some people don't have a good side, but like just down the middle is where they're at. Like, is is that a thing? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you kind of have to like suss everyone's, you know, physique out, Mm -hmm. you know, as you're going through everything. And, uh, you know, sometimes people will tell you, they know, and it's amazing like how we're sitting here right now like we pro- we wouldn't be talking about like our appearance or you know mm-hmm. like our our own insecurities and stuff but like when when the camera comes out and it's just you one on one with somebody else like mm-hmm. you'd be surprised at like what people tell you about themselves or what they you know don't say indirectly you know mm-hmm. but like oh i like i like this side of my face or i have a scar or i have like you know a lazy eye or whatever like they just start saying it and sometimes I might like pick up on that, like, okay, I can see there's a little bit of an eye difference or I can see that, you know, you've had a, a scar on your face or maybe you've got, you know, some makeup that's hiding a blemish or something like, so we talk about that. And then I look at like, which, which side is going to be better for them. And then, uh, I'll show them and I'll, I'll put two pictures up side by side so they can see that like, this is what I'm seeing here and here. And I want to get their feel. I want to get their input mm. on it. Most of the time we're in agreement on it. And only a couple times when we're not, it's fine that we don't have to agree on it. But I can always say like, hey, this side's going to serve you better. And here's why. Mm-hmm. So we'll talk about that. Like, hey, this is your hair part. This is, you know, one eye is bigger than the other. Uh, you know, maybe this angle of your jawline looks just a little bit better here. Or it could just come down to a preference too. But I like to show people that so they can see that way, at least when they leave the studio and they get in front of a camera later. They like, always know. Exactly. Yeah, they always tight. They always know what to do from then on out so. because i when i when i took a photo for this like magazine cover i was so awkward and the photographer uh, photographer wasn't really like into it you know what i mean so oh, you're talking about kinda, when you when you yeah, were on the cover yeah. <laughs> yeah and i was like oh man like i don't know i just felt super awkward but then i've heard like people doing photo shoots with people like you know top level headshot and their direction is just makes them feel so comfortable. They're like, I didn't even know I could model like that. Yeah. Because of the direction was so good. And the person just made them feel so comfortable. Yep. Because like the one thing when you guys are doing uh, headshots, do you more try to get them to laugh or because like, how do you get that not so stiff? Because I'm stiff. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So how do you get them loose when they're like just a regular Joe Schmo like me, not a model? I, I just I just keep them keep them occupied with anything but the camera. I mean, just give, give them a couple shots. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I, I do have alcohol in the studio. So if somebody wants to have a drink, that's sometimes fine. that works for people. Sometimes that's all they need is just, I would do that, but I turn red. Yeah. So I can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, really, it's just making them feel comfortable. You know, you're, you're developing a rapport, you're building a connection. Mm-hmm. So, you know, 
it, it always starts off, you know, usually like, Hey, how's your day going? And like, you go through some of the small talk, but then you got to find, you got to find that connection that you can build with somebody like right away. And the faster you can do that, the more at ease they're going to be. And when they're at ease and relaxed, that's when the magic happens. So mm. if somebody's like tensed up, like the whole time, it's going to show. So, Oh, it shows. <laughs> and, but it's, it's not even for like, you know, people that are not used to being in front of the camera. Like I've worked with a lot of models that are used to being in front of the camera. It's just maybe they had a crazy day or something. Yeah. Or a week. It can, it can be, you know, what's going on in the day. It can be like what's going on in their head. Like maybe they're thinking about like a, a sick family member or what, you know, mm -hmm. you just don't know. You just have to be able to feel it out of like, Hey, like, let's 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 focus on you know having a good time here really if you guys are trying to find out what your good side is by the way i have a, a little pro tip <laughs> so there's this app called tiktok <laughs> and, and and there's a filter there's a filter in the app where um i think it's, it splits your face in half um so you can pretty much mirror each side mm -hmm. of your face Take a photo with each side of your face and see which one looks better, dude. It's so crazy. What? It is so crazy. Like if you if you if you have the selfie camera and you take a photo, like only this side of your face, right, the right side, and you, and it flips it over so it like duplicates it to create a whole face. Like the difference between the right side and the left side, dude, it looks so different. It's crazy. You would never have thought that it would be that different. Well, the, so the other thing is that like I have to see it when you. So, so I shoot tethered to like a, a large monitor so we can look at all the pictures like as we're going through it. Okay. So you're used to seeing your face in the camera like for your entire life. Like that's how you see yourself is mm -hmm. this flipped version of yourself. Mm -hmm. So then when you get on the other side and you see how people actually see you, that's not the mirrored version. Like it looks strange. Mm -hmm. So I tell that a lot to people and they're like, you can like, they look at themselves and they kind of go sideways and they're like, that, that's what I look like. I'm like, yeah. Yeah, you look good. Like this is this is a good shot of you. And they're like, it takes them a minute to accept it sometimes, but like you're you're used to seeing that inverted picture of yourself. Right, all the time. right, right. Oh, that's yeah. true because of the selfie, right? The the the, the selfie mode. Yeah, the selfie. They're used to just the mirror. Just the mirror all the time it's too. Reverse. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because I, <sighs> I know I have a gnarly ass lazy eye on my left because I know the lid ain't there. <laughs> but I'm like, okay, this is my good side. I think. Is the one with the more lazy eye the good side or <laughs> the less lazy? It, it depends. I mean, because it's not even so much a lazy eye because like that that's a thing. But a lot of people have like their eyelid. I'm confused. Like, lazy eye is the eyelid, right? Not the not the the eye that just goes off I think, into the distance. I think the actual lazy eye is like where the, the eye like doesn't focus on the same point. Like oh, kinda, so with the eye, so it looks like it's dragging a little bit. Oh, okay, yeah. I, I don't. I, and, and What's I, the eyelid? I don't like? even think that's something that you would be looking to fix either, though. Right, because a lazy eye is normal. Like, a, a, it's not like a, it's not like a, it's not like something you want. You would, I mean, is it something you would want to cover up? Is that, is that something that people have said? Hey, I have a lazy. Not eye. that one actor. Can you make it look like I don't have a lazy eye? Yeah, people people definitely say that. And like like I said earlier, like when people just kind of open up about their looks, like mm -hmm. that's that's the time to talk about it. Right. So if if that's something that they're insecure about or they don't like about themselves, and they tell me, I'm like, all right, well, we're gonna work on that to try and you know make you happy with it. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of different techniques that we can do. And then we'll show them and say, okay, hey, this is, this is what we're working with. How does this look? And they'll look at it and say, okay, that looks good. Or they don't like it. Or um, a lot of times, though, people just kind of accept that, you know, this is how I look. Mm -hmm. And really, like, that's what I, I get a lot of joy out of is when people do that, is that they're not looking for, you know, extreme Photoshop because, like, that's not what I do. They're not looking for, you know, uh, to get like this plastic surgeon like all these twists and turns like this is this is just you how you look naturally all the time that's 
that's really how you want to, how you want to present yourself to other people because when you meet them in person, that's what you're gonna look like. Yeah, you don't want to be all plastic. Yeah. <laughs> and then they see you and they're like, oh. <laughs> like that's why I can't do like that that high retouching, high end beauty stuff, man. I can't do it, man. I, I just not not only am I just not comfortable doing that much work on one image, but it's also like it if you don't do it right it looks really bad it looks yeah. like airbrush skin like it just like it looked like you got facetuned and you just went to town with it like you oh, know that's like just, terrible yeah you just it's like turning the clarity filter no texture. to the left you have <laughs> no texture back on your skin dude <laughs> yeah smudge tool yeah i've seen some professionals do that too like where they just the skin looks completely just like there's no texture just smooth like butter yeah you know i'm like i'm like i don't know like i i, I don't know is that I'm more not of from just that uh, is, is that just more of like a what is it like what they what you like you know what I mean is like that clean touched up skin because I would I don't like doing it because it feels fake to me because I'm like oh but I mean I guess if you're doing a commercial and they ask for it it's different yeah but touching up is that's um damn I can't think of the word that's your uh, signature no that's what you like I'm just gonna keep it at that because I can't think of the word right now. niche. No, <laughs> let's just get, continue. Moving on. <laughs> Mo- moving on. Uh, I want to talk about about lighting because um, there's there's either strobe lighting or there's a constant light, right? Like people have the what's it called the the Westcott flex lights. Like, yeah, and those are just constant video lights, right? But then people have like you and I, we have strobes. And we use the flashes, the one that the pop off, and you have the model lamp and all that stuff. Um, is there a benefit to using one over the other? Um, why do you choose strobe versus you know constant LED light? Well, I mean, initially I I took you know I have Einsteins and LEMBs, and I use those because they were affordable and accessible, and that's what I got. Mm-hmm. And I've just been riding with those for a while. Until, they've been working. Oh yeah, they've been working fine. And like those things are workhorses, and they break. You know, Palsy Buff fixes them cheap, and you get them back quick. So that greatest strip box changed yeah. my life, man. Yeah. So I mean, I like it. Like I think there's benefits to both, and I mm-hmm. think it just comes down to like what you want to do. Like if I was doing more video work, like then it would be a no brainer. Like constant light all the way. Like you want high quality CRI for for that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think the other thing though. For, for headshot work, it's great having that that constant light because the LEDs like help dilate the pupils. So you get oh, you know, wow. really clean looking eyes with it. So that constantly Wait, so, helps. So when you have when you have the constant light on, it makes your pupils smaller? Mm-hmm. And that's better than having them bigger? I mean, it, that comes down to like a matter of taste. Like some people uh, say they like, you know, like the darker part damn, of the that's crazy. I didn't like, even think that deep. Yeah. That's crazy. But I mean, when you've got that that high output of the light, like right there by your face, then yeah, it gives it a different look. Oh so, wow, man! Yeah. See, there's have so you, much. Have you have you ever had a client where, you know, they come in, maybe they're insecure or maybe they're confident, and you feel like you were not able to get like a great shot for them that day? I've had that experience where, like, when I was starting out, I would take a photo, I would do a, a whole photo session, and I would be so like hard on myself that I was like. These are not great. Like these aren't, you know. So, yeah. how do you have you had that happen before, and how do you deal with that? So yes, I have. Like I've had that happen, uh, probably quite a few times. And I think it's just like what you said. Like you know, you're you're holding yourself to a certain standard. Mm-hmm. That's like I know I can do better. Um, but at the end of the day, if they're happy with it, then 
that you know i've done all i can do mm-hmm. now if i if i really mess up on something and i'm like hey like this is this is just not my quality like i'm gonna go back to them and tell them that and say hey look i feel like i could have done better i'm doing you a disservice let me know what i need to do to make this right mm-hmm. and every time i've done that which saying those words has been few but it's always you know well received and we we work it out we figure it out we do what we got to do and like we just move on so that kind of stuff like you just you want to get off your plate as soon as possible right i don't think you want to dwell on it because we you can beat yourself up all day on like how good of a job you do or how good of a job you don't do for a client but you know if they're happy with it and you feel like you've done the best then just leave it at that and then you know take that as a lesson learned for the next time to do better so yeah and it's usually not like um like the headshot stuff but like something that i've messed up on is like when i use gels and i do like the creative lighting where I'm really like using like four lights and then I'm doing like a V flat and then a reflector and like, and I'm trying to change the background color and all that stuff. And I'm getting very, very technical with it to the point where like, I forget like sometimes certain colors don't look as good on certain skin skin tones tones. or something like that. Mm -hmm. And then like the photos just didn't come out as good as I thought they were going, they they, they were going to Um, do. Let's talk about this then confidence like how important is the role of confidence as a photographer like let's say you're taking photos and maybe you're not feeling the photos as much as you would like to but you're confident in front of your, in front of your uh your, your client like the, how big of a role does that play oh that's that's like critical like you have to have that like so 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 that you could be taking their photo maybe they don't like what they're seeing on the screen but because you're confident they're oh yeah yeah that does look pretty good yeah i'm starting to like it a little bit more yeah you kind of play that mind game a little bit no, I, I wouldn't call it a mind game so much, but like you, you have to have confidence in what you're doing in your work mm-hmm. and you have to like, you know, own your turf and what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And when you have that confidence, like it, it gives them confidence. Mm-hmm. So if they detect like, you know, um, Hey, like you're, you're playing around with your camera and you're not quite sure. And you're like, you're really not answering their questions or interacting with them. And you're like focused on something. So like, say like your laptop's like not working or, you know, your, your SD cards, you know, like not working right. Like that becomes a problem and now they're starting to wonder, can you get the job done? Mm. So their confidence is starting to diminish, you know, every second that you focus on that kind of stuff. So like if you're if you're not confident in like what's happening, then they're not going to be either. Mm-hmm. So the same for like the quality of your work that you're doing. So if you're if you're putting out images and you guys are, you know, going through a session and, and you're getting stuff and they're they're not liking it, like and you can sense that, then I would stop and ask them what they don't like. What what's going on here? Because I really like what's going on here. I like what we're doing. I'm confident that we're getting the looks that you wanted. But if there's something that's not not vibing, let's let's figure it out right now before we take another picture. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, because everything comes out when you take that photo, right? Yeah, and you look at you you review it back. You can see what's on. If you you can tell if there's something bothering them, and the expression is not where it should be. Yeah. It's crazy at the level you're at, though. You're able to like almost like read anybody. I mean, like it's, you, it's definitely you it's practicing for sure because you just can't do that right away yeah because i'll see people i'll be like and then i'll look <coughs> after and i'll be like damn they did look kind of stiff but it's like when you don't have that eye for it it kind of just it's not even in your reality yeah and, and but i mean that's the the nice thing about shooting tethered is that you've got this you know big screen or even your laptop screen that you're looking at so you're not looking at the the small yeah screen on the back of your camera but you know you can kind of see things as they're going and i mean people are they're they have you know all these human conditions that they do and they react to so like if 
if you're if you're joking with them and they don't get the joke and they're like oh that's the worst <laughs> you know that's the worst then you got to like shift it up and, and yeah, change yeah. gears but you got to kind of keep that momentum going and keep the flow going so you're kind of in control of like the vibe of of the shoot you know throughout the session so um you just got to kind of build that awareness up and, and see how it feels and, and work through like, each person differently it's like a super challenging video game because every person's different mm -hmm. you know what i mean like what makes them laugh what makes you know what i mean like where you have to dial that joke in and all that yeah. do you do do you try to like is that like one of the main ones like just laugh <laughs> like make jokes is that like the <coughs> best one to use for people to give that natural smile or what is like what's worked best for you oh yeah oh yeah joking joking always works great i mean keeping things lighthearted, like um, so I, I remember one time I was at a, uh, it was a corporate shoot and I'd been working with this client for a while and they had like a whole group of people. I think it was like 200 something people over a couple of days. And you know, in these like convention environments, like people are standing in line, they're like getting ready to go to another class or like a session. So like they're busy and this is just like a checklist item off their day. It's like, oh, my boss told me to have to be here. So I got to get my picture taken <laughs> and they're not really into it, you know? So like I'm already at a disadvantage when it comes to those kind of people. Damn. So it's like, Hey, I gotta like, I gotta, you know, make this fun. And this one guy, he was in front of the camera and there was probably like, I don't know, five or six other people behind him. And, um, he was just like real stiff and just, you know, kind of didn't want to be there. And I told him, I was like, Hey man, don't squeeze your ass cheeks so tight. <laughs> and like, he lost it. Like he, he just like totally <laughs> lost it. And like, like everybody else in line was like, like they couldn't, they didn't know what I was saying. They couldn't believe I said that. Cause like, it's a corporate environment, you know, yeah, kind of exactly. a little wrap tight and everything. But then like, it just totally changed the whole mood for like that area. And then we got an awesome shot. Like he has that having a good time, had a, you know, big smile and expression. And he loved it. And, uh, but everybody else, like after that, it was like, it was way easier. So <laughs> if I spent like five or 10 minutes with that guy to get him to that point, it took me like two or three minutes for everybody behind him after that to like, you know, get a good shot. Right. But yeah, it's, it's, it's really important just to, to keep it light, lighthearted, let people have fun. Um, but you know, pay attention to like what's, what's going on yeah. in the area and like, what kind of shoot is this? Like, what's the intent? So nice. Yeah. I want to talk about, about, cause you're, I want to talk about the photography aspect or the, the business aspect of photography because you have your own studio space, right? Mm hmm. Um, of course that that's an expense that you either have to pay monthly or yearly or whatever it is. And there's, I'm sure there's other things that you have to pay for as well on a monthly basis, whether it's like electricity or services to like, you know, editing software, things like that. Um, at what point do you recommend, do you think, is there like a checklist for you to say like, okay, well this merits me needing my own photography space versus maybe I should just be renting a studio space when I book a session or things like that. Yeah. I mean, for me, it came down to like, do, do I have enough, you know, clients coming in every month to justify this cost? And, you know, if someone's asking themselves that question of like, Hey, I want to get my own space. Like you should really be looking at your numbers like really hard. And if you don't have that, like, do you have enough cash to like get you to that point? So if it's going to take you two or three months, or if it's going to take you six months or a year to get to that point, are you going to be able to afford it? Mm-hmm. Because the worst thing you can do is get into a situation like that where it's like, hey, you don't have the money coming in. You don't have the clients coming in. And you're still, that rent is due every month no matter what. Mm -hmm. They don't care. So you sign the contract. You got to pay the rent. You got to pay the rent every month. It's a, it's a big expense. But it doesn't have to be like this big scary thing that you can't do. Right. So make sure you got your marketing on point. Make sure your SEO is working. Get all those systems in place. 
and exhaust it as much as possible until you take on that expense. Because once you're in it, like that's it, you, you better start hustling mm -hmm. because like what you do right now, you're not going to see for a couple months down the road. So if you're, if you're marketing and you're, you're networking, you're doing all this stuff to get clients in, it may not come for a little while. So until you get to that point where it's a steady stream, like can you sustain yourself? Yeah. Yep. Right. How long? Is is there is there like a is there like a number though? Like for example, let's say like let's say your expenses are a thousand or two let's say two thousand dollars every month is your expenses, right? Is do you want do you want to look at yourself and say, okay, well my business is already bringing me in three or four times more than what my expenses are? D does it justify it, or is like, well, I'm making a little bit more than my expenses are? Is it the time to jump the gun? You know, like, do you think do you think having your own space? Um, will boost your business or do you think it will also like bring in more opportunities than not having your own space? Yeah. I mean, I, I think it can do both. Like it can definitely boost your business, you know, depending on where you are, where you're located, where you come up and search. Mm -hmm. um, but I think you have to kind of figure that out. Like you have to, you have to assess like where you are in the market, where you are in, in your own, uh, you know, journey. And if you got the money coming in, but like, you have uh i don't know you sh you should basically be able to pay for your studio for like two or three sessions a month so whatever genre of work you're in you should be able to take two or three clients a month and it pay for that so if you're not doing that you need to get to that point first hmm. so see and i think one of the one of the issues uh what's it one of the issues but one of the things i see the most in las vegas is that there's a lot of photographers who are like, you know, they're undervaluing themselves. So they have to book like 50 gigs a month to be able to, you know, um, how did you learn to properly assess the value in the quality of your work? Uh, when you first, cause I'm sure when you were first starting out, I mean, did you know, like, Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to charge a thousand dollars for this shoot. And that's what, it, cause a lot of people have, have a problem. A lot, a lot of creatives have that problem where they're trying to say like confidently, like I can charge multiple hundreds of dollars versus like oh well you know it's only 50 or 75 and then they break it down to like an hourly thing where it's like you know well if i gotta work an extra hour or maybe i can discount you if i only have to do this you know like um how do you get to that point of like finding out how much you're worth or how you can charge yeah i mean you really have to look at like uh you know the value that you're providing someone and what it's going to do for them so like then the quality of work that you're doing and i think every creative you know, should be looking at ways that they can, you know, constantly, you know, make better work and, and be more efficient in what they do and, and just do better. Like, I don't think that ever stops. Mm -hmm. So if you're getting to the point where you're like, Hey, I'm good. We can put everything on cruise control. You know, that might work for you, but like, I just, I don't see a lot of people that, that get to that point where they're just like, Hey, we're, we're I'm good right here. So you got to look at, you know, where you want to be It's like, Hey, do you want to, do you want to take 50 clients a month? If you want to do that and that that high volume method, then here's where you need to price that. If you want to do a lower volume work and you can probably make the same money, not taking 50 clients, maybe it's, you know, 25 clients and still make the same amount of money, but your price a little bit higher, then you got to see what you want to do. Like for me, like I value my time with my family. So I don't want to work, you know, every hour of the day. Like I want to be home with my family. I want to be home with my kids. I have a personal life. You know, I want to travel. I want to do things. So I want to, I want to have a lower volume. So, and it's not that, you know, I can't take it. It's just that that's, that's the business model I want. I want, right. I want a lower mm -hmm. volume. So in order for me to meet that number, I have to have a higher number 
and you know take on less clients right so but again you you also just mentioned that you value your family time which is that's that took a lot into price into what made you price however much you charge per session right yeah i'm sure if you were like just a single guy and you were like you know 18 years old and you wanted to take the world by storm maybe you do want to do 100 sessions a month maybe you do want to do as much work as you yeah, can if you have that free time if you have yeah. that free time so that's going to help you also price it because everybody's situation is different right yeah and but i also think like you have to you have to look at you know not just not just like your your personal time and stuff like that like what i said with my family but you have to look at you know what what are you doing for them that that's valuable. Right. So if, if you're going to take on, say you're a single guy and you're going to take on all these clients every month and you're just going to, you know, work yourself around the clock all the time. Like what kind of clients are you working with? Do you enjoy working with those clients? Like it really should be like an equal exchange. Like I have clients now that I, I love working with them. Like I get excited when I get to work with them. Like it's a mutual exchange. Like the fact that I get to get paid to work with these people and do the work that we do is just amazing. Like, I leave the session like happy as hell. And I'm, I'm just excited that we got to do this and that, you know, everybody values each other, you know, on that plane. So if, if you're going to have higher volume clients and you're with a lower price point, those, those price clients are going to be different where they may be more difficult. They may be, you know, more needy mm -hmm. or if they're constantly like texting you or, you know, sending you emails all hours and weekends, like they're not respecting your time, your personal time off. Um, like that's what I noticed when I got started earlier before with headshots was like, you know, you're fielding and wasting a lot of time on non money making parts of your, of your business. So if somebody, you know, hits you up on Facebook messenger and they're like, Hey, I need some pics done, you know, tomorrow. I'm like, okay, did you see that? I'm a headshot photographer. <laughs> well, I need family pictures. Well, I don't do family pictures. Well, I need wedding pictures. I'm like, I don't do that. Like, so those, those lower price clients generally speaking don't usually value you know right. the same thing and you know what this is something that we talk about a lot on this podcast is that i i did also notice the transition in quality of clients like for some reason when you have a client let, let's say you you have a, a a photo session like a headshot session if you have a client where they're attracted to you because you're the cheapest photographer versus a guy who's going to charge who's going to give you a thousand dollars for a headshot they're going to, the way they value is completely different, right? And I feel like most of the time, you'll see the guy who charges you 25 bucks, see the most amount of problems with your work, and then also want more revisions, and then also, you know, give you the more problems versus the guy who who pays you a thousand, they give you a thousand because, or I'm just, you know, saying a number, but who the guy who pays you more values your work more, they know you're a professional, they know you're going to provide what it is you say, and they trust your work, right? It's yep. almost like if you buy something that's luxury, like Louis Vuitton, Let's just say you don't know the price of it, but in your head, you're like, this is luxury, this is made well, this is all that. So you're not going to question it. But if you buy a $30 thing at Walmart and you see like a little thread missing, you're going to freak out. So I think it's the same thing. Like, and I've kind of learned that too, that it's also your clients. Mm -hmm. like, like just sometimes you could, you really got to say no, you know? And I, I finally put into the thing like uh, from uh, Chris from Future, just always double. He's like, double your rate. Every new client that doesn't know you, double your rate. And I'm like, I've been doing that lately and it's just been working. Like people don't question it either. Yeah. And if yeah. they say, if they question it, just be like, okay, well, I'm not the one for you. Let me give you somebody like, let me give you somebody else's contact. And, and, and I think, I think going back to like the studio, like 
you know, somebody wants to take on this big expense. If you, if you get yourself into that situation where it's like, I don't have any clients coming in. I don't know where my, my next lead is coming from. And I've got all these bills to pay. Like you get in desperation mode and you're like, I will take anything that comes in front of me right now. Like, I don't care what it is. If somebody wants to pay me $50 for an iPhone picture, I'll, I'll do it. And like, that's a terrible place to be, you know, as an entrepreneur, as a, especially as a creative, like you don't want to be in desperation mode. You want to avoid that as much as possible. That is the worst place to operate from. Your creativity is not going to be as good as, as it can be. You're not going to have the flexibility to, to do, you know, more, uh, more work, better work. Like it, it's just all around. That's the worst place to be. Mm-hmm. So if you, if you put yourself into that position by, you know, getting a studio too early or getting yourself in debt or operating from like that negative space, like that you're, you're set up for failure. Like it's going to be very hard to raise your rates. And so if you're, if you're doing, you know, the hundred dollar family sessions, you know, out in the park for, you know, 50 images, whatever, like not, that there's anything wrong with that. Like people can do whatever they want, but if you want to raise your rates and you want to make more money, it's going to be a challenge. So it's better to like be able to set your prices at, you know, a reasonable and profitable level now when you're starting and then, you know, increase it as you go, as, as your business needs change and as your clientele change. So there's nothing wrong with starting low, but you have to know that you're going to face challenges when you try and raise your prices, when you try and, you know, shift Mm -hmm. to a different clientele. So, those are the challenges that I see people like fall into all the time. And I fell into it myself was like, I'm not valuing my time with my family and they're not valuing my time with my family. So if that's the most important thing for me and it's like, like a lot of people say like, that's your, that's your get out of bed money. Like what's the minimum I'm going to do to get out of bed. If you're telling me, Hey, you know what? I need you to like skip your coffee in the morning and be here at five 30 to do this shoot. Like what's the minimum you need mm. to do that? Mm-hmm. I like that. Like, that's that's a really good starting point is like if you have to decide between, you know, a family vacation or like say you had like a, a family getaway plan, like or with your significant other or whoever, I want you to put that on hold and go do this client work. What's Ooh. that gonna cost you? Like what what's a good number that you're gonna feel comfortable with that you would be okay telling your family, Hey, sorry, I gotta I gotta take care of this right now. Like That's crazy. I never thought of it like that. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a, that you have to kind of put yourself in those situations because they're, they're going to come up at some point mm-hmm. to where you have to make that decision and say, Hey, look, like, I, I don't care. Like you're going to have to pay me a lot of money if you want me to do that. And if they say, yeah, well, great. Then, then everybody's happy because mm-hmm. you don't want to be resentful afterwards. And you're like, man, I didn't get paid enough. Or like, man, next time I need to charge more. But then you're in desperation mode and you're like, well, I can't charge more. Like, but it's also because like photography is a very, uh, uh, emotion based thing like i feel like a lot of photographers they're very involved with their like they, they feel like their camera is a part of them it's part of their heart their spirit like it's a very emotional thing and then they feel like they have to take on every gig because then they're not a real photographer you know what i mean like they, they feel like and i did this for a while too like when, when i when i was first starting out i took every gig that came my way mm-hmm. literally anything and it took me a while to go like okay well you know what i don't need to do that you know, if I don't like, if I don't want it, like someone goes to give me 50 bucks for an engagement session, like I don't have to do that. I can step away, give it to somebody else, maybe somebody who's starting out. Maybe they want the, the yeah. opportunity. I think yeah. at the beginning, it's definitely good. It's better than doing it for free. You know what I mean? Because like, that's the best way to learn is hands on. So mm-hmm. I'd say never, never say no to those. But like you said, once you get enough of those, you can start like take a step back and be like, OK, I've done this enough. I can like move on in life. 
and like step up my prices and everything. Do you, yeah. do you have a lot of family in Vegas? Uh, just my immediate family right now. Okay. Yeah. I was going to ask, how, how is it? Like, cause I know like in Mexico, I'm Mexican in my family. I'm the guy with the camera and it's, if it's a birthday party, if it's a family reunion, where's your camera? Where's your camera? Like, is that something that you kind of like run into a lot? Yeah, I mean, not so much with my family. They're pretty good about it. Like, you know, I, I do take it to like, you know, a lot of, you know, big events and everything and it's not too far, but it's usually not like mm -hmm. a requirement. Yeah. I mean, I do it for myself because like I get a kick out of it, especially like when we get like the big family get togethers and like, because we have, I have a big family on my side and my wife's side. So there's like all kinds of little kids. I think my, it's like 13 grandkids on my, my oh, wife's wow. side. Like there's, there's a lot of kids. <laughs> so for me, it's fun because like, hey, I get to get them, you know, at their best and you know take pictures of them and then we can go back over the years and now we've got like all these pictures of everybody together you know like That's over tight. the years so um I, yeah i don't i don't feel the pressure but they don't they don't really like demand it of me too much and mm -hmm. if they do i'm just like i got my phone we're good like, have, you, yeah. have you ever have you ever have you ever had that family member that tries to get like a, like a discount like oh let me get some photos do some do can you do my wedding and that, do you <laughs> do you do that for family or is that kind of like you're like, no, I don't, no. I, that's not what I do. I wouldn't do it, you know. No, not really. I mean, I've never had that, like, in my family. I mean, I've had people that I know that are close to me, like, hey, can you do this? I'm like, man, you'll be better off hiring somebody else because, like, I'm I'm not the best to do that. Like, there's a and lot then of, they see your Instagram, yeah. like, oh, God, he's good. <laughs> there's a lot of other people that you are better, better than that stuff than I am. So, like, you know, I, and, I'll, and I'll refer them. And that's kind of the beauty of having your niche in headshot right like you could say you know what i'm great at headshots but when it comes to weddings and family photos i'm not the greatest like you know i don't know what to do i get lost and exactly you know yep. that's kind of uh, that's that's nice that's man. why having a niche is good mm -hmm. yeah everybody should have one yeah yeah i'm still trying to find mine yeah. have, have you heard of the uh the 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 link the link 800 was it from posse buff the new oh, light that's new coming light? out yeah yeah are you thinking about uh trying it out or do, are, are you just you're good with what you got right now no i mean that that led constant light on that thing looks amazing so it looks freaking I'm, bright i'm interested yeah yeah I'm, I'm, i forgot how many watts seconds it is like a it's almost like a 120d bro a 120 oh, aperture really? 120d Ooh, the uh and it's a smart. stroke and it's got a battery built in yeah so i'm thinking about maybe maybe pick one up just just to see because i've always wanted to go portable with with my light but like the thing with the einstein is like it's not as portable just because you have to have the vagabond mini mm -hmm. and then like also that doesn't last a super long time you know so but yeah yeah no i'm super interested i'm just not ready to upgrade yet have you uh i don't know man. i've been looking at those westcots but it's like six grand for the whole three light kit and i'm just like damn is it really worth it like yeah. is the quality of like that much more amazing you know you know, I've, I haven't had it myself, but I've talked to people who have had like the different brands of like those flexible LED mats and it's been universal. Everyone said like the Westcott ones are just the best. Like the other ones are just not as robust. So like mm -hmm. when you try and pack them up and, you know, go back and forth, they get that wear and tear on them. Like they just don't last. Whereas the Westcott's like, they practically have a lifetime guarantee on them. So <sighs> like, so you're paying. Yeah. It's, yes. it's a little, it's a little bit more upfront, but you know, Hey, buy once, cry once, you know? Yeah. That's what, uh, that's what our. Our boy Rob Chato says, yeah. buy, he's like, buy, why? Buy once, huh? buy once what? Buy, buy once, cry once. There you go. <laughs> That's true, man. Because like, if you buy something cheap, oh, yeah, he's, it's he just said, gonna keep breaking. <laughs> he said, he said, buy cheap, buy often. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was That's like, damn, true, I never though. thought of how that. Many, how many of those twenty dollars microphones did we have to buy? <laughs> <laughs> Bro, so many. Yeah. They kept just like burning out. <laughs> yeah. So we were like, oh shit, we should. So, upgrade. so your studio has as a. Uh, 
has moved to a to a new location, right? Yeah, yeah. It used to be near downtown. Yeah, now I'm at like uh, two fifteen in Eastern or uh, Eastern and Windmill. Nice. Yeah, that- and you and you have a you have a workshop or you you're hosting a workshop, right? Yeah. At your at your space, can you talk talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so we have John Gress coming in on Saturday. He's from Chicago. He's a commercial portrait photographer. Um, he's teaching his workshop. That's a one day workshop. Um, and then after that, I've got a two day workshop with uh, Jason Buff. Um, he's a photographer from Mexico, and he has a uh, a high end portrait. And then I think one day is dedicated to nothing but retouching. Mm. So it's going to be a good one. So I I, I was going to ask, um, ha- having your studio. Do you find like is has it elevated your business sense of photography as much as well as like kind of in the in the, in the way of saying like not you're not only going to make money off of the headshots that you book but maybe using the space as a hosting event for a workshop or maybe some sort of like you know one on one teaching kind of thing like how do you think it's it's helped you in that sense? Oh yeah, yeah for sure. Because I mean like. Looking at initially like the cost, you know, like, hey, it's a big cost. And like, how, how are you going to do this? And it's bringing clients in. But then the other thing is like, well, this is a space. Like, this is a big space where you can like host events. You can host workshops. You can do different things that are not, you know, directly photography related like me and my client. So if other people want to come in there and shoot and they want to rent it out, they can come in and do it. Like we got backdrops. We got lights. We have everything. Um, but then like a building a community, too. So I want to have like uh, some veteran centric uh, workshops and programs and I've got some speakers lined up and, you know, I've got some makeup artists. They want to host workshops and stuff there too. Like it just makes sense to do all that because when you're looking at it from like a a time basis, like, like I'm not shooting clients there every day, Mm -hmm. you know, and I'm not shooting clients there all day when I'm shooting. So why not fill that time with where other people could be using it to, you know, for their business and to better themselves. So mm-hmm. it just it just makes sense to do it. So my question is because because uh, your website doesn't show studio rentals for your studio, right? Yeah. How do you spread the word around? Like, how do you gain more business on on renting your studio if you're not marketing on your website? So that's that's been intentional right now. So I don't have it. I'm not marketing for it yet because mm-hmm. I, I still had a couple more pieces that I wanted to get into the studio before I like actually market it. Oh, okay. Um. That's the perfectionist side of me again, mm-hmm. where I'm like, I want everything to be right before I do it. Um, I, I probably could have been marketing it up to this point, like just do it. But uh, I want, I want to, I want to put it out on the website. I want to put it on social, and I want to show everybody, you know, hey, look, we've we've already hosted a couple of workshops here. We've got, you know, everything that we need for you to be successful, for you to create, you know, your your art and do it here. So I was waiting until after WPPI and these next couple of weeks really to. To release it officially so nice yeah nice man that's, be yeah. Dope. that's the dream man having having your own studio and just being able to pay for it <laughs> <laughs> you gonna put it on peer space and gigster oh yeah, yeah yeah that's what that's just that's the thing that's two of the most underused uh uh resources for people who have like locations man not in la it, no yeah. no no la's got a lockdown in LA. I, I, I look at those you can find literally any type of room i'm just like LA. man i just i wish i had money because i just I just want to go to those locations and like do some basic shooting. Do you, do you know who uh, Jacob Owens is? Jacob Owens, no, he, he's a, a he's a he's a film director. So he's, he does like music videos, short films, things of that nature. And uh, he he started out in videography like in 2012. He I think went to Arizona, uh, that college out there in Arizona. And uh, he he's been making music videos for the last like eight years or so. And he's made 
enough of a name for himself to where now he's like buying properties and he's turning them into locations. Like he's got an entire ranch out in California where he's just like doing different rooms and different installations and it's pretty dumb, man. Yeah. Yeah. It's that's definitely cool. interesting. You know? Yeah, that's oh, like right. a whole other real estate thing, you know, mm-hmm. for that. Exactly. But if you can if you can market it right and get these locations that people want to shoot at, like, yeah. Yeah, more power to him. Why not? Because I think he, he did it somewhere in Cali where you don't need the permits. Mm. So I was like, oh, that's kind of genius. You Is know that actually I mean? in California, though? I mean, <laughs> you can't do anything without permits. Oh, uh, maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe it's... I, I forgot. It's I like swear a, he said something like you don't need to get, like, permits or whatever because it's it's not in near any city. It's just, mm. like in the desert because he like got like a ruined plains and like he has all these random like there wasn't there like abandoned buildings on the property and everything yeah i'm pretty sure he's got like a mine shaft and a crashed airplane site and mm-hmm. all that stuff it's pretty pretty cool man yeah pretty but, cool stuff and actually so i i share my my studio uh, with my studio partner she focuses more on like uh maternity and a newborn i think she's shifting into boudoir now um but we've talked and we've i've, I've had all these ideas for the studio because like you know, looking at like all the other studio rentals in town, you know, everybody's got their own thing. And I said, all right, I, I want to do something different. Obviously, you can get the, you know, studio rental with backdrops and lights anywhere, you know, just go anywhere you can get that. But I want to do something different. So we're, I think what we're going to do is we're, we're going to get some false walls, like those big movable walls on wheels. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're going to get a couple of those around and actually like start doing like some set building. Yeah. And so like have wallpaper some, and yeah, like really have unique. Like, that's have like tight. the the tri wall setup, you know, get mm-hmm. some sets building, get like we have like a ton of backdrops and like you know different things now, and I think we'll start start implementing that and see see what people think, um, and then have like you know some specials on it and say hey like come on we got the we're gonna have the set set up for this time, come down and check this set out, build it out, and then you know shift to something. What's else. the size difference from the old studio? Is it huge? Uh, it's pretty big, but this new place. So my last studio was like like nine hundred something square feet, but it was split between like two rooms. So oh, okay. I had this huge wall in between like the the entryway and like the makeup station in the actual like shooting bay. So the shooting bay was good and it worked great for headshots. They don't need a lot of room for it. But now this new place, it's it's totally open. So Oh, that's so nice. Yeah. Like it's it's a hundred percent open. It's got twelve foot ceilings, like it's 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 big, it's a lot bigger. And it's only like maybe five hundred square feet more, but it's it feels huge just because it's totally open. So. I think when we had that studio, the feet the, the ceilings were like eight and a half oh feet. man yeah that's Dude, i can't tell you we're, the difference in having cursed by like the the ceiling i'm like and, oh, and I'm, I'm convinced to this day because i don't think we've ever had a studio space where we can shoot that had higher than like what you see right now which how, how high oh, would you man. say this is that's, that's like, like seven or eight feet. yeah yeah man eight. like <laughs> it makes such a i would imagine it would make such a big difference in having like 12 foot or like even oh, higher ceilings because the light doesn't bounce around as fast. Plus, as you can easy, right? also do like intricate stuff. You know what I mean. You could put like a nice hair light behind. You can't do that here, bro. Yeah. Have you seen the <laughs> little, little living room studio we got going on well, here? Well, and then if you get somebody that's taller than six foot, it's like, man, what are you gonna do? You can't I have, them, have sit them sit down. down for I guess if you had those those Westcots, because <laughs> then you could just tape them to the ceiling. Yeah. Look, look, like, man, yeah. my my uh, my buddy Nate is actually I think six six two six three. He's, Tall boy. Yeah, I had him sit down, man. <laughs> he was sitting down for him. <laughs> yeah, because like um, I've that's what one of my dreams is is those warehouses like in the north with like twenty thousand square foot. Yeah, mm-hmm. look at that again. Just have the money yeah. to just buy one of those and then just this is like the studio. You know what I mean? Just hella open room. You can do whatever you want in there. Cause that that like that's how it is in Hollywood. Like mm-hmm. some of those studios, I'm just like damn, 
Cause it's so tough. I had an idea for this photo business that I wanted to do, but like, here's my thing. Like I want, I want a photo business where I don't have to like actively be looking for new clients. Cause then it's like, at that point you're, you're what chasing, lazy ass shit are you you're talking tro- about? You're, 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 you're like, you're, you're on, you're on the grind of trying to find what, where the next paycheck is coming from. So I wanted to have like an idea for like, what is a photo? Like, how can you, how can you modernize a photo studio to where like, maybe you don't even need a photographer in there. You know, like you preset the lights Maybe you have an iPad controlling the lights on robotic arms and like depending on what set you want, like, oh, I want classic headshot. The lights will rearrange, the power on the lights will rearrange, and then it's a self-timer, kind of like a photo booth kind of thing, you know? But that yeah. that has yet to be seen to be done. <laughs> well, they have like some of those booths and stuff. I think some, I've seen them at like the airports and it was like a, basically like a passport photo you with like some beauty lighting that they have. But like at the same time, like even all with that, you still need that human interaction to like get that expression out of one hundred percent, one hundred percent. You can't fake that, man. It's just a robot yeah. voice making jokes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be tight. Relax, yo. Yeah. <laughs> like, relax, it's like harder. Siri. <laughs> Where are we at right now? We're like an, an hour. Yeah, an hour and like. My man, yeah. is there anything you guys wanted to talk about? Oh man, I mean, I could I could talk about all this stuff for forever, but like, I mean, I think the biggest thing especially for photographers like here, since this is like, you know, a lot of the audiences, the creators, oh, yeah. like, man, I just, I like seeing people grow. I like seeing people like charge with their worth, grow their business. And like, that's one of the the biggest things that like breaks my heart is when I see somebody like not charging enough and they're really good at what they do and they're just not getting the clients or focusing on the wrong things. And it's like, man, you gotta, you gotta get in that mindset. You gotta shift gears and like, just, just do it. Don't be scared. And it also comes down to like, you know how you behave in front of a client right like how you present yourself how you speak to them um how you talk about your work all those things go into it and like because i know a lot of person people personally who st- who are still doing like 50 dollars shoots which is no there's nothing wrong with that but it's like they that next level will not come if you don't elevate your personal your interpersonal skills right yeah because i feel like that once you once you do that then you start getting better clients and, you know, going down that road. Yeah. And you really have to look at the client experience. Like, I think that's the other thing that people like undervalue or don't focus on is like from, from the time someone searches on Google, they look on your website, they read what you have to say on your website. They look at your social media, how you respond to emails, when you respond to emails, when they step in front of your camera to when you deliver the images, like start to finish, like every touch point that they have needs to be, thoughtful it needs to be mm-hmm. quality so like you your great images are just not going to do it by itself you have to give every step of the process a lot of thought and a lot of detail and then be willing to change and tweak it as you go because it's it's gonna it's a living that, thing yeah that great experience you'll never forget yeah you'll be like oh this was easy i yeah. didn't have to overthink or anything i just found him hired him went to his thing got my photo taken yep and i was happy and like i i had i had i was shooting I think it was back in like September. Like I got really busy. So I moved into the new studio in August and I got really busy like immediately after. And it was, it was crazy. Like just how things were happening. So I was in the studio shooting with a client who had booked me a few weeks before and my phone rang. So uh, the client was, was changing. They were getting a different outfit. Then my phone rang and I, I always answer my phone, like even if it's spam calls, but they were like, Hey, um, I need a headshot and I see that you're open. Can I come down there in two hours? And I'm like, yes. They came in and they ended up being uh, the CEO of a, of a security company here in town. And they have a bunch of employees and the guy's like, I need this right now. Thank you. Perfect. Like he was in and out, like just, you know, no mm-hmm. nonsense. 
And, but that, that whole thing that led up to that. And even after that, like if I wasn't there or if I didn't answer my phone or if I was scared to yep, answer my phone or if I didn't have like the systems in place, like, you know, to do that, then I, I would have lost it. And I would have, I wouldn't have got any of the residual work from that. Dang. That's a, but that's crazy, man. That's, I, I ignore it. 98% of the phone calls I get. Yeah. I hate, <laughs> well, and, and, I hate phone. and I will say why though. Yeah. Because it's always somebody from New York now. They're mm. like, Oh, you got a tax well, no. thing out for you. I, oh. So I have student loan debt. Oh, <laughs> oh no. So like there was a, there was a point You're where, a where there was a point where I wasn't paying back my student loans. So I would always get calls like, Hey, uh, where student loan, uh, what's it called? Uh, Debt collector? Oh, no, not debt collector. No, no, not collections. We're like, find out how to pay your paid your uh, consolidate your student loans now. And and I did it one time, and it was like a kind of like a scammy thing where they were like, okay, now we're gonna do your bank account information. I'm like, what? Doesn't sound we legit need $5, to me. Five thousand dollars. So now, <laughs> so now it's like if I don't recognize the phone number or if it says like you know scam or whatever, I'll just I'll let it. I just go. always get that one. It's like some Indian guy yelling at me. He's like. The IRS is trying to find you. Yeah. We are finding you and we're going to send the police after you. And I'm like, <laughs> like, what is happening? I get it a lot. And I'm like, okay, yeah. I can't answer these calls no more. See, I, I've never even had student loans and I still get those phone calls. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> I still get so they're, just, they're just going <laughs> like, for everybody now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm like, but I still answer. I still, you know, I'll still answer the phone and go through the motions. But like, I don't know. Having having the systems in place, like having all that, yeah, the touch points for your client, like being client focused, like on every step of the you know situation for them, and then even the follow up, like even after even after they're a client and you're you delivered the images and everything's done, like follow up with them afterwards, like talk to them, see how they're doing, check in on them, just you know make sure you're you're that person that they think of when a photographer is is needed. Mm-hmm. So like that, having all that in place is, is super valuable. Do you do like a like a newsletter or are you? thinking about that no i i mean i've thought about it but i don't i don't think anybody wants to get newsletters on like headshot photography like especially like you know previous clients i mean mm-hmm. I'll, I'll stay in contact what about like a, the, the 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 casual you know merry christmas email from your business you know kind of thing yeah yeah i think people have done that with business with uh actual cars in the mail right mm-hmm. like if it's a mom and pop business like they'll send you like oh merry christmas from us at the donut shop that you went to or something what yeah. is actually i don't know how they got your address but <laughs> do you do uh facebook ads and google ads or uh, do you yeah yeah uh, which one do you do you like better well it depends i mean they they're they're both different mm-hmm. so like you're gonna have like people don't normally go on facebook and search for a headshot photographer mm-hmm. typically if they do they don't usually book me so i'm not i'm not too focused on yeah, those people Google's definitely yeah so google is where i focus on for that stuff but like uh Facebook ads are really good for like retargeting people. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if they go on your website, then you can retarget them later. Yep. Um, but it's just another thing that like you can, you can put a Facebook ad on there and it's just like another constant reminder. Yeah. Um, so like Joel Grimes, like he talks about a lot, like having seven touch points. So it takes, you know, seven to eight touch points before someone buys from you. So mm-hmm. like they see it on TV, they hear it on the radio, they see a billboard and they see the advertisement online. By the time that they've, they've reached that seventh or eighth time, like, they're they're probably gonna buy more than likely. So damn, that's crazy. Facebook ads are good for that. Yeah, that lookalike audience. Yeah, just keep retargeting. <laughs> we can talk about that. Yeah, <laughs> man, that's crazy, man. When you think about the fact that like I've seen ads or I've seen something on Facebook or on Instagram, and and you know I'm not gonna I'm like no I'm not gonna do it I'm not gonna buy it. Maybe four days go by and maybe then I'm in the mood to buy it. It's so random, man. I yeah. think it still scares me the most 
when I talk about something and then I see an ad for it. <laughs> that still trips me out till this day because I'm like, yo, I swear I didn't even look this up. I was literally just talking about it with somebody and it hurt me. Yeah, that Alexa, man. I think Alexa on Google. Yeah, your, your phone. phone too, man. It's just listening to you. The ones that get me are the cart ones. Like when you put something in your cart and then you leave the website and then they get oh, an email yeah. and you're like, how did you know I put that in my cart? I wasn't logged in. Yes, I was. <laughs> I was logged in. Yeah, B&H I do that on my little Shopify. Yeah. It's like, oh, if somebody abandons a cart, it'll like hit them up in mm-hmm. a day and they'll send them like, oh, don't forget this, 35% off. You know who's really good at that is Adorama. Whoever is doing their marketing at Adorama <laughs> for all their stuff, like they are on it. Because like, he's like, I bought so much. Shit I have. Like I bought a lot of stuff from them, especially like recently, like we you know ramping up with the studio, but like they're really good at it because they'll say, hey, are you still interested in the C-stand that you were looking at? It might be on sale. And I'm like. What do you mean it might be on sale? Let me go see. It's on sale. It's on sale. (laughs) Dang it. So then they get you. That's how they do it. Yeah. So like that kind of retargeting and like those reminders, like, you know, we're busy. Like everybody's busy and you're distracted. So I I love, I love that though. Cause I think it's, it's just marketing's interesting to me. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. How it really works. Like Sweetwater's really good. The one where we bought these mics. Oh man. Sweetwater is one of the greatest customer service companies in the world. I just get called by like a random dude. I'm like, yeah well when when i when i was an audio when i was an audio engineer and i was ordering like equipment all the time um there was a there would be a point where like i didn't order for a year but there was still that 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 sweet water agent your agent or whatever his name gus gus or something like that um he would call me hey man just want to see how you're doing you know how's everything been yep you know uh we see you saw you bought a interface from us six months ago how's that been working out for you did you like it you know and it's crazy though how it does it experience you'll remember that forever you'll be like it's the only company that really does that so it's like oh this is crazy and it like it imprints on you well remember when we had we had tony on tony shay yeah and we asked him about um you know why his why his employees are like they're kind of like they're told like hey, if you want to be on the phone with an employee for the customer or a client for six hours that's fine with us it's kind of that experience right that's what you're building and that's what makes people go when they're just driving down the street, go, oh, yeah, that was a good conversation. Oh, maybe I want some shoes. Maybe, maybe that's who you think of when you want some shoes, right? Yeah. Or maybe that's who you think of when you want some headshots. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's the thing is, like, people people don't always remember, you know, all the details and, like, what they spent and all these different things. But they always remember how you made them feel. So if you give them a good experience and make them feel good, you have a good time doing it, like, that's what they remember. And, like, I was talking about, like, the 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 corporate shoot, you know, with yeah. the guy that I made laugh, like, he he's gonna remember that and he's gonna remember like hey he had a good time and you know got a good picture and everybody else is gonna remember that they're they're not paying for it they didn't come out of pocket for it but they know that experience and like i think that's the biggest thing especially with photography is like you have a chance it's a very personal thing but you have a chance to like change someone's perspective you know especially with with headshots and this was one of the biggest things that i can't believe we didn't talk about this earlier was that how we've how i've been able to you know help people see themselves differently and mm-hmm. it's not it's not just me doing it but like we're working together the whole time and uh let me pull it up so i had uh a young lady who was a client and uh her company center so she came to my studio and she was telling me how she didn't really like her smile and like you know i try and get everybody like a nice you know toothy smile and you know something that's warm even if they don't want it or they don't need it like i try and get it for them just to see like as an option, you know? And then, um, so she's telling me, oh, I don't really like it. My teeth, my gums, whatever. I'm like, okay, whatever. So now that I know that I'm like, okay, now I know she's holding back on me. So I'm going to change, change up my approach to her a little bit and see what we got to do to get this picture to happen here. That's just pulling up here. 
but she uh once we we saw the picture and i got it i'm like this is great this is awesome like i love this shot and she looked at it and she's like that's the first picture that i've had showing my teeth that i absolutely love it and that's so tight like it's moments like that you know as a photographer when you build that connection with somebody and you're able to change how they look at themselves like it's it's mind-blowing it's absolutely mind-blowing that like what i just did is going to impact them forever yeah like they're always going to remember that because it's more than just a photo it's their insecurities being lifted as well yeah which is so this young lady oh, wow, right that's here, great like she doesn't have you know pictures of that's herself really smiling. Good. wow but she was super like happy perfect. with that yeah super happy it was with like that. a commercial <laughs> Well, it's it's out, and it, it's like that's one of the things, and one of the powers you have as a photographer is the way, like the way you said you how you make them feel about themselves. If they can feel better, and they know you did that. I mean, that's that's that goes outside of photography. Yeah, that's a human thing. It's a human emotion. You know, that's like a can't get that anywhere else. You know. Mm-mm. Yeah. No, it totally is. And like, I mean, who else has the power to make them feel good about themselves like that in yeah. an instant? Like. You know, you go buy somebody, you go buy a cake from somebody, they're not going to make you feel that confident about yourself. You know what I mean? Like the photographer has that much power in their hands. Yeah. So. And it's, it's something that like, that we didn't do any Photoshop. We didn't do anything, you know, crazy manipulation. Like this is how you really look. And, you know, a lot of reservations that people have like in that situation are like, yeah, but I don't like, you know, the way I look mm-hmm. in my face. I don't like this. I don't like that. And then like really a, a good rebuttal for that for them when they're in that that headset that mind space is to say look nobody that sees this is going to be picking away like you are right now like they're not going to see that all they're going to see is like that's a warm expression like that's a nice look on some on your face and they, they just know they like it mm-hmm. they're not going to say oh yeah well look at her hairline or we'll look at their glasses or look at you know they're not they're not they're worried about that and mm-hmm. the people that do say that you don't need to worry about them Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just a weirdo. Yeah, who well, has and their and own it's problems. also also the 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 fact that when when they look at photos like that and they go, oh wow, the lighting is so good, like everything just comes together so perfectly that maybe they're only used to seeing selfie photos or iPhone photos. So when they see that, the it's even elevated even more, right? Mm-hmm. They go, wow, that's a really good photo, and they maybe they don't even look at those insecurities as much, you know, because they're just so amazed by the how it all came together. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. and I, I there was another experience like that that was really similar. Um, it was actually a couple of years ago at uh, Headshot Mania in uh, in Morongo in Palm Springs. Um, actually, Headshot Mania Two is coming this week. So this photographer I, I shot then, um, we were going through it, and she was telling me she's like, "Oh, well, I never really had like a picture that I had in like a long time." And and we got this shot, and like she like you know started welling up, and she gave me a big hug, and we got this picture of her. She she loved it, and I I loved it too. And she's been using it ever since. And then like when she posted that picture online, like. Everyone was like showering her in affection because they were like, oh, we haven't seen your face in such a long time. Haven't seen you in person. You look great. I'm like, again, it was like, there's no Photoshop. There's no manipulation. This is how you actually look. And then when they can accept that and they're like, I really do like the way I look without mm-hmm. having to go through, you know, any anything else to look that way. That's just a good natural expression that we we captured. And she, she's, you know gone on to like do her own photography and, and do more headshots and like really, you know, came out of her shell in some ways to, to have more confidence, you know? So like, that's so dope. Yeah. So when we were talking about confidence earlier, it's like, you have to have that confidence going into it so that they'll have it as well. So you can reassure them. But then in instances like this, when it just like multiplies like tenfold in that, in the subject. So like those two ladies are, you know, they walked out of that session, you know, on cloud nine, but mm-hmm. they can always look back on that and, you know, get a sense of 
uh, accomplishment or, you know, they're, they see themselves favorable in that moment. So, um, I've heard stories of people saying too, like when they, when they get their pictures taken, whether it's like a headshot or boudoir or anything, it's like, if they're, you know, not feeling so great that day, they can look back to that picture that's maybe on their nightstand or they have and like, wait a minute. No, that's the person that I want to be today that I was in that shot, you know? So mm. if you're going through a rough time and it's like, you can always look back on that and like pull strength from it. So, I feel like that's that's, that's how deep. that's how I am whenever I see a photo of myself with a good haircut, man. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there's no there's no feeling like a good like when you just get your haircut and you get that nice little lineup and it just you could you feel it, you know what I mean? Yeah. You feel that confidence, man. Yep. And then as opposed to like you haven't grown your hair off for like a month and a half. Me. And you feel you feel dirty because <laughs> you haven't showered in two days. It's a completely different person. Yeah, know? yeah. No, that's 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 exactly it. Like, and that's that's what's really cool about, you know, like just photography in general is like, hey, look, you want to take this seriously. You want to get prepared. You want to get your hair done. You want to get your clothes pressed. You want to get all these things done. And that when you look your best in front of that image and it's like, man, that is like everything's just coming together and you're like on point that day. And you can present yourself like that all the time. Nice. So when's the Josh Line uh, headshot course or workshop master coming class oh man. <laughs> master class i don't know i think ebook i think uh i think i'm gonna try and convince peter to have one uh his headshot intensive at the studio oh so, that'd be cool yeah that'd be tight peter hurley yep nice yep i think i think that's gonna happen i'm, I'm gonna see hopefully that, hopefully i'll have an answer this next week see if we can do that hey we'll announce it on our next episode yeah <laughs> if yeah, it's happening tight Thank you for joining us, man. We appreciate you taking time to come out Thank you, and uh, join us on the podcast. We're going to put all your information in the description up below uh, for people who are tuning in. And uh, yeah, man, is there anything else you want to last words? No, man. This has been great. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us, man. We'll Thank catch you guys you, on the next morning dinner. Every time I come in the kitchen, you in the kitchen, in the goddamn refrigerator. I sure am hungry. Thank you guys for tuning in to the Morning Dinner Podcast. And that wraps up 90 episode 90. I was going to say 92. 91. 91 with Josh Line, the headshot photographer. And uh, that was a dope episode, man. I really like the way he talked about um, using your uh, directing skills to kind of like bring out the expression out of somebody. Mm -hmm. Like completely tight. being able to read somebody and making them feel confident in their own skin. And it looks is, like he's got the whole aspect of the whole business side of the photography thing. Yeah. And I learned a lot today. Yeah, man. Um, before we end the podcast, how do you guys like these new microphones? They're the Rode Pod Mics. Because even if you don't like them, we already spent money on them. Hey, <laughs> guys, guess what? Ones. We try not to spend money on this podcast, but you know what? We're getting close to episode 100. And we thought, you know what? Let's do it. Let's do it, man. Let's do it. Let's bump up the quality from Let's go out $19 microphones to $100 microphones. <laughs> and I hope the quality hey, is good. The headphones sound great, though. Oh, yeah, dude. I could not stand those last headphones. <laughs> were so bad they look good on camera but they sounded terrible guys yeah these ones are nice i like them if you're still tuning in don't forget to click that like button comment and subscribe and leave us a review on itunes, iTunes. so uh yeah we'll catch you Thank guys you. in the next morning dinner